Malachi 3, verses 6 through 12. Since I, the Lord, do not go back on my promises, you, sons of Jacob, have not perished. From the days of your ancestors, you have ignored my commandments and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord, who rules over all. But you say, how should we return? Can a person rob God? You indeed are robbing me. But you say, how are we robbing you? In tithes and contributions, you are bound for judgment because you are robbing me. This whole nation is guilty. Bring the entire tithe into the storehouse so that, that there may be food in my temple. Test me in this matter, says the Lord, who rules over all, to see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until there is no room for it all. Then I will stop the plague from ruining your crops, and the vine will not lose its fruit before harvest, says the Lord who rules over all. All nations will call you happy, for you indeed will live in a delightful land, says the Lord who rules over all. my church because it is a life-changing church. Our reason for being here is to glorify God by sharing His Word and bringing life change to you. I can tell you that one of the most, most life-changing moments, secondary of course, or to being saved, somewhere down the list from getting married near about a hundred years ago. Brenda's watching, by the way, on the video. I'll pay for that later, but even maybe as life-changing as surrendering to preach. Soon after I surrendered to preach in 19... No, I'm not going to tell you that. Uh, <clears throat> too long ago. We went to seminary, and in the church that I grew up in the hills of North Alabama, they never taught tithing. I guess they taught giving, but because it was not specifically called tithing, nor was it made clear that that means 10%, it was never emphasized that 10% of everything you receive already belongs to God. And you're just giving it back to Him. I was never taught that. I went to seminary, and I was taught that. And Brenda and I looked at each other and said, how can we do that? Our income, now, okay, Charles, I was a seminary student. You remember those days? Um, our income was $50 a week. $50. Okay, so how much is a tithe of $50? Well, it, it's not that much. It's 10%. By the way, I can tell you that I worked among Kenyans in East Africa whose wages were a dollar a day. You say, well, they can't tithe. Hello? That's 10 cents a day. There's no one in the world who's so poor they cannot tithe. It's only 10%. We started tithing. Started all this story to tell you. That's one of the most life-changing moments in our lives.
because beginning to tithe touches you in the heart. You see, your heart is connected to your, don't miss, to your wallet. I'm, I'm reaching back. I'm not touching my backside to say your heart's connected to your backside. <laughs> That's where I carry my money. And your heart is co connected to your wallet. Jesus said that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Some people don't like preaching about money. And the truth is, that's because they have a heart problem. You know, I've discovered through the years, Gail, that people who already give love to hear preaching about giving and how blessed it is. The ones who hate it are the ones who are not doing it. And that is an indication of heart trouble. So I, we, we are to be a life-changing church. And a life-changing church is a church that makes disciples, makes people followers of Jesus Christ. This whole month, we're talking about the characteristics of a disciple. That is someone who is loving Someone who is growing, someone who is serving, and it's also someone who is giving. In your development as a disciple, it is our goal to so touch and change your heart with the Word of God that you just naturally give. Now, in thinking about this, it echoes through my mind. Just maybe because Baptists hate preaching about giving. I didn't get any amens to that, but it's the truth. And so I've heard every excuse you can imagine of why you cannot tithe. And I'm going to run through just 10 of them very quickly this morning. And I'll be running through it so quickly, I do not expect you to write it down. But if you open your church center app just now... There was a document that was posted, 10 reasons why, or 10 excuses for not tithing. And you can open the Church Center app and you can look at that. Those of you who are at home um, can look at that and follow along with what I'm putting on the screen. Number one, by the way, Kelly, we're going to do it this way. You ever seen Family Feud? Yeah? You ever seen Family Feud? Number one answer is, and, and then, so we're going to do that this morning. And we're also going to play Wheel of Fortune. Did you ever notice on Wheel of Fortune, they clap. Anything that's said, Cindy, they clap, right? You don't know why they're clapping, but they have to have a big sign up there that says, clap now. Okay, so I want you to do that. With every one of these, I want you to applaud whoever came up with this. Will you do that? Okay, number one answer is, I can't afford to tie. Let's, let's applaud, I can't afford to tie. I had a deacon in a church tell me, I can't afford to tie. I looked at him like he'd struck me in the face, and I said, I can't afford not to tie. Well, where do you get that? Because God says, give and it would be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use to give, it will be measured back to you. That is, what was it it said in the video? You can't outgive God. You can't 
outgive God. He will always give more back to you. Shaken down and running over. God will outgive. Number two answer is, since God loves a cheerful giver, that's 2 Corinthians 9, 7, I don't tithe because I don't enjoy it. Let's applaud whoever came up with that one. God loves a cheerful giver. That means he hates me because I don't like it. No, you give back to God what's his regardless of whether you like it or not. By the way, I will tell you the context of that passage is giving above the tithe. Uh, Todd shared with us about the project that we have of redoing the floor. And I want to make it clear, anytime we do special projects like that, special giving, that's always above your tithe. And that's what it's talking about there. You're so hilarious and so generous in your giving, you're happy to give above your tithe. You are obligated to give your tithe, but if you're a hilarious, cheerful giver, you can give above your tithe. Number three answer is, oh, I don't give my money. I give my time and my talents instead. Let's, let's applaud whoever it was came up with with that one. My answer is, try that with the IRS. By the way, Larry, if, if you cheat the IRS and you won't give them the money, you will be donating to them your time and your talents behind bars. Why would we treat the IRS better than we treat God? And God says, you're cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Now, people who don't tithe don't like to be told you're cheating God. But you are. It's His. The first 10% of everything you receive already belongs to Him. You get to keep and live off 90%. God just asks 10%. Even the government takes more than that from you. Number four. Would you believe I actually had a preacher tell me that? And it, and it wasn't Todd, okay? My wife won't let me tithe. I'm pretty sure God expects us to obey Him. God says... You ever do that to your kids? I actually, I actually sent this to Kelly the other day and said, this is the one I've chosen. Is, is there a better one? Uh, and I did find some better memes on, on the web of rolling your eyes. You ever roll your eyes at your kids? Do you think God rolls his eyes at us sometimes? I think so. But he also says, no man can serve two masters. I've told you before, that's where the Bible teaches against polygamy, having more than one wife, because no man can serve two masters. But that's exactly what it says about money. You cannot serve both God and money. Then number five answer is, I'll start tithing when I get my debts paid off. Let's, let's applaud the guy who was brave enough to say that. 
to God. Lord, I'll give you what belongs to you. I'll quit robbing you just as soon as I pay off my boat and my car and my motorcycle and my, and on and on and on it goes. Did you ever think we not, might need to hear what God says about life not consisting of the things we possess? Did you ever think maybe we got ourselves in debt and we need to quit blaming God for that? Did you ever think that we might never get out of debt if we don't start giving God what is His? He says, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages are put, disappear as though you were putting them in a pocket or in pockets filled with holes. You better be careful about not giving God what is his due because he can put holes in your pockets so that everything you get just sort of goes to waste. You can't outgive God, but you can rob God to the point that you get in financial difficulties. Be careful. The number six answer. Tithing was under the law but we're under grace. Come on. That's the theological position. I'm a theologian, and therefore I know that law, that, that was under the law. Well, Charles will tell you. Todd will tell you. Others will tell you. Tithing was before the law. It was not a part of the law. Not only that, but Jesus did not do away with the tithe. He, in fact, commended the giving of the tithe and says, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever one sows, that will he also reap. That's a very deep principle. That means if you sow love, you'll reap love. By the way, if you sow hate, guess what you will reap? And if you want God to bless your finances, you better be tithing and giving with your finances. Number seven, I get tired of all this preaching about money. The church just wants my money. Come on, applaud for the, whoever came up with that one. I know, Wheel of Fortune. I don't, I don't know why this preacher's got me applauding because that doesn't make sense, but that's all right. We'll have fun anyway, right? I get tired of all this preaching. God says, wherever your treasure is, there, is the there the desires of your heart will be. When you complain about preaching about money, you're revealing what's really inside your heart. People whose heart is for God never complain about giving to the God who loves them and gave himself for them. We're only talking about tithing at this point, only 10%. But your heart is connected to your wallet. Number eight, the church doesn't look like it needs my money. Hey. That's what the kids said, right? 
God's got streets of gold. Why does He need my money? The truth is, God does not need your money. Is that a shocker? God does not need your money. He owns the cattle, the Bible says, on a thousand hills. And I realized one day, Kim, He owns the hills too. Not just the cattle on the hills. He owns the hills. God doesn't need your money. He's not going to go hungry if you don't give your tithe. But you need to understand, He has put His money in your pocket so that you can support His work throughout the world beginning in your local church. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. You cannot outgive God. Number nine, let the wealthy members carry the load. Come on. Let the wealthy, that means let somebody else do it. You know, the most overworked person in the church is somebody else. Let somebody else do it. Let's, those wealthy members, they need to carry the load. Uh, so, you know, you really need to look at the numbers. We talk about taxation and the rich need to be taxed more than the poor. Have you never looked at the percentage of our budget that is provided by the wealthy? Uh, they're already giving their share. The thing about it in the church, there is equality in giving. You give 10%. If you have a little bit of money, you, you give a little bit, 10%. Like I said, 10% of a dollar is 10 cents. 10% of $100 is $10. 10% is of a million. Oh, never mind, that's too many zeros. I can't do that. Jesus, the Bible says each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. All right, number 10. You ready for this one? I love this one. Number 10. They pay that preacher too much anyway. Didn't he take a vow of poverty? Besides, he only works one day a week. Oh, yeah, come on. Let's, that's, that's either hilarious or pretty sad, one or the other. The Bible says elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the Scripture says... You must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it threads out the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. Ten excuses people use for not tithing. If you've got another one, be glad, I'll be glad for you to text it to me after the service, and I will add it to the list. But here's what this is all about. That was, that was a bit of fun, but answering questions before they're asked. What I really want to share with you today, the second sermon, Todd, is basic principles of tithing. And this is in your worship guide. Number one, God demands His 10%. Now, Shelley, I could have said tithe, but that word tithe to us is sort of a nebulous concept. That means I put a dollar in the 
offering plate. No, it means 10% of your income. That's what the word tithe means. It means a tenth. Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. You see how strongly God's saying that? But you say, have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You're cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. And here is his demand. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. See, here's the concept, guys. Everything you've got and everything you receive, including the air you breathe, comes from God himself. Everything. But the first 10% belongs to him. He put it in your pocket to see if you would give it back. Give him. He demands. He's not asking. He's demanding that 10% that is his. Number two, God directs you to give it to your church. To your church. Bring the full, ha- the full tithe into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? What does that mean? That there may be food in my house. His house is the storehouse that receives the tithe. In the Old Testament, Tim, that was the temple. In the New Testament, that is his church. That is your church. You are to bring your tithe. The tithe belongs to God, but you give it to the church. In the cute little video that we saw, the kid says, does, does the church keep it? Does the church give it to God? And, and the dad says, no, the church keeps it. Well, that's not exactly accurate, is it? The church uses it to do the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the work of God. And we need your tithe to carry on the work that that God has called this church to do. Now listen to me. Your tithe belongs to your church. You do not designate your tithe to some radio preacher. You don't designate your tithe to some evangelist or some missionary somewhere. Your tithe belongs to God and He commands you to bring it to His house and give it here. In fact, I heard a guy say one time, well, you can designate your tithe to your Sunday school class. No, you cannot. Not and be right with God. The tithe belongs to the church. That's how we carry out the ministry that God has called us to do. He directs you, he demands the tithe, and he directs you to give it to your church. And then God challenges you to test him by tithing. Bring the whole tithe, notice that by the way, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God is challenging you. If you're not tithing, he brought you here today to challenge you to start giving your tithe. Put him to the test. 
That's what we were told when we were taught to tithe. Put God to the test. $50 a week, Alice. Just tithe. $5. You know, we started doing that. It was not long before our income was $70 a week. Now, $70 doesn't sound like a lot, but when you were making 50 and now you're making 70, uh, Corey, I, I'm not good at math. You figure out the percentage. That's significant increase by giving to God. Listen, for all these years that we've been tithing, that tithing and that giving has been of the most, one of the most life-changing benefits of our marriage and of our life. Put God to the test. And see, I will tell you from experience, God is always faithful. You can trust God. Then, basics of the type. Number four, God promises to bless you. Then all the nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now, I, I want you to notice the ways that God responds to people who tithe. He says, bring the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room to enough to store it. Here it is. God will give you more than you've given him. That's what he says. I'll throw open the windows of heaven for you. He will give you more than you've given him. Not only that, but as a response to the tithe, God will reduce your losses. You know, God does not have to give you more money. What if he just cuts your expenses to enable you to tithe? And I believe that he does that. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from the insects. KJV says, I will rebuke the devourer. That's, I'll keep the insects. I'll keep the bowl wheels from eating your cotton if you're from Alabama. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they're ripe. You'll get a full harvest. He will reduce your losses and give you a full harvest. And God will give you a good reputation if you're tithing, if you're giving to God. Then all the nations will call you blessed. There is a bad reputation for robbing God, there is a good reputation and blessing for giving your tithe to God. And then number four, God will make you and your people happier. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, have you come to the point in your trust of Him and in your growth that you are trusting Him to provide so that you are giving the tithe through your church. Further than that, what change does God want to make in your life? I know that when I stand and I preach to people who are already tithing, they don't have any problem with that. And I can see their heads nodding. I would have liked to have seen more head, heads nodding this morning than I saw. Some of you were just hanging on wondering, how long is this going to go on? I'm done. Except for asking you. We're talking from the beginning. We're talking about loving. Are you more loving 
than you used to be. I can tell you that for two and a half years, I have tried to create here through my staff and through my ministry and in you an atmosphere and a culture of love. Have you latched on to that? As a disciple of Christ, are you loving? We talked about, Todd talked about growing. Are you growing in your faith? Are you growing in your intimacy with God? What do you need to do about that? What is God's will for your life? We talked about serving. Last week, Aaron preached a great message about serving. Listen, if you're a disciple, you are serving. If you're not serving, there's something missing in your fellowship, your discipleship of Jesus Christ. It's time to serve. And if you are not giving, God really does not yet have your heart. You say the church just wants my money? No, we want more than that. We want what God wants. You see, God wants your heart. God wants your heart. Will you give Him your heart? I want us to stand and bow our heads together. As I do that, if you're here today and you've never been saved, God's heart beats for you. You have His heart. He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. And He wants your heart. Salvation means admitting that you need Him and putting your heart in His hands. Will you give Him your heart today? In service, in growth, and in giving, He wants your heart. What are you holding back in your life? What decision What commitment do you need to make in this service today so that you've brought the whole tithe, so that you've given God the whole package, so that He is the Lord of your life? What does He want to do in you? I'm going to pray. And while I'm praying, if there's some decision that you need to make, I invite you to come stand here at the altar. And I will speak with you after I pray. Will you come? Father, I thank you for your word, how pointed and how practical it is. Lord, help us to take it personally. Help us to commit ourselves, our lives, our very being to you. And to follow you in all that you call us to do. We do that to your honor and your glory. Amen.